There comes a time in every person's life when you realise it's not about doing what you are told, but doing what you know is right for you. Let us take a journey of learning and discovery with the world's most successful people who are living the life of their dreams, walking through life using their inner wisdom and being of service to others. Forget exams, grades and test scores. What is your purpose? As we let go of what we think should be and learn from our elders to gain knowledge, inspiration and a true sense of who we are. What are your dreams? Does your life have meaning? Are you living a life of significance? Let's talk with today's guest. Hello, my name is Mark Taylor and welcome back as we spend some more time together on the Learning on Fire podcast. Today I'm talking to Nick Freud. Hi Nick, thanks for joining me and let's explore the journey of who you are. Hey Mark, thanks for having me, super excited to be here. Um, yeah, just a little bit about who I am. My name is Nick Freud, as you said. I'm currently living in Brooklyn, New York. Uh, it's way too cold out here. I don't know if any of your listeners are familiar with Brooklyn. But um, I, I'm an entrepreneur. I, I'm a co-founder of a company called Campus Real. Um, Campus Real is basically an education technology platform that is trying to allow any student anywhere in the world to get a really solid understanding of their college options without necessarily having to spend the time and money to go visit in person. We use video content mostly to, to bring campus to life, and we work with real students on campus. Our whole shtick is kind of raw and authentic content from students by students. Um, so, you know, my life is almost entirely revolves around running this company and uh, trying to take this vision that my uh, my best friend from college and I thought of two years ago to fruition. So that's a, that's a little bit about me. And it makes a lot of sense in terms of, especially like say when you're based in the States over here in the UK, it's like you know, a long drive to see a university or a college might be like three or four hours in the car. Yeah. <laughs> a no, little bit different when you're, when, when, you, when you're based in the US and you're talking about, you know, several days driving across uh, however many states to get there. Yeah, exactly. And also, I mean, now that you mention it, I actually, um, a lot of my family is from the UK and they all came to study in the US. So when they were trying to decide what college they want to go to, luckily they came from a background where they were able to make the flight over to the US and do trips. But, you know, for, for the majority of the families who aren't able to do a multi-thousand dollar investment just to see if a school might be for them, it, it ends up kind of taking the US education system off the table, which seems kind of silly to us. Yeah, no, I think it's a great idea. And then, um, you know, having been through your website and and looked at these things it's a really kind of yeah it kind of just gives you something you can't do any other way you know and it's also a different feel than when you're doing it in person too I think I think the two things are sort of uh, can work hand to hand if you are able to visit them brilliant but if you're not then you really do get a great insight into exactly what what the university or the college may actually offer yeah no no I appreciate that yeah and we can't you know we can't take all the credit for it we've worked with a ton of just amazing kids on campus we've actually been really blown away by how willing this generation of students is. And I think it's probably because they grew up in more of a social media kind of vlogging era, but they're so willing to just kind of be vulnerable on camera and put themselves out there. Whereas when I, you know, I don't have the capacity to do something like that. When I was growing up, I was much too shy to kind of want to video my story and put it out there for strangers but these kids are really brave and really buy into the mission so we've been super impressed yeah no it's great i, I think it's fantastic and like you say that's sort all of growing up in that digital age and, and where life is is online so much it uh yeah it, it, it's just a natural progression i guess yeah so let's sort of take a take a little look back now and just tell us what's your life um well how does it look like now and how is it different from when you uh when you were growing up yeah cool so i can just give sort of like a little bullet point on what my life has been over the past 26 years, and hopefully that sheds a little light on the question. But I grew up um, on the Upper East Side of New York in a pretty sort of affluent environment. Um, I, I was given, you know, everything 
that I could have wanted growing up. I had great family support. I, I was able to get one of the best educations that you can get um, throughout middle school and high school and then on through college um, and, and lived a, a really stable lifestyle. But um, after I graduated college, I realized that the, the past 22 years of my life had kind of been controlled and decided for me. You know, I was I was always operating within these institutions, um, mostly schools telling me uh, how to spend my days and sort of w what a productive individual looks like. And then I was finally kind of I, I had this rush of, of a feeling of autonomy and like I could finally control my own life. So as opposed to uh, jumping into the workforce like most of my friends were doing, I decided to kind of just pack up everything and move abroad. Um, so I ended up teaching math and health in Thailand for eight months and then sort of bartended odd job my way through Australia for another eight months after that. Um, I was by myself the whole time and it, it was really a transformative experience that I think informs a lot about who I am right now and, and, and hopefully I'll carry that with me for the rest of my life. But now, um, based on the experience that I had once I kind of got out of the, the shackles that I felt like I was in when I was in school, I, I feel like my obligation on a day-to-day -day basis is to take ownership of who I am and what I'm able to contribute and, and kind of live a life that, that I decide I'd like to. So my day-to-day -day right now is, you know, I, it's 100% focused on getting this company off the ground because it, it's something that I feel so passionate about, not just because it, it's a problem that I think needs solving, but because it's, it's so personal to me. And, it, you know, it's me and my best friend. We've been living on couches together, um, just us two in cafes for a year building, finally got some investment and are able to, to be in a real office and really see something that just started as an idea come to life. It's, it's a, a really amazing opportunity. And I think it, it just dictates kind of the, the way that I engage with people on a daily basis and what I value now. And it's really just, just hard work being kind to people and uh, being autonomous and taking ownership of your decisions. You know, I think that's great advice. And, and, I, and I think the people listening, especially if they're still involved in institutions and whichever level that happens to be, you know, it does feel like you have limited choices, doesn't it? It does feel like you're having to do everything within the confines or the boundaries of, of a school or a college or university or, or wherever you happen to be. But getting that experience outside of it, either like you say afterwards when you sort of want a gap year or you're working somewhere else or or feeling like you've actually suddenly got some control is, is a really interesting thing to be able to do and I think also then like you've managed to do you know to kind of have put that into your life you decide that actually you want that feeling to be important I want to be my own boss or I want to be able to to follow my dreams or put something creative into place and then those sorts of skills really start to flourish yeah no, no I, th I think that's really well said and I think um, you know, I, I don't want to sound like I'm kind of ragging on on school, the school system or, or the way that it's designed, especially in the States. But I, I and because it provides so much value to students and, and, you know, I wouldn't be the person I am today and wouldn't be able to problem solve in the way I can now if it wasn't for my schooling. But I do think that one issue is that when you spend the first 22 years of your life, very formative years, um, lit, operating in the world in a capacity where you have these structures basically guiding you through day-to-day -day life and and you can sort of sit back and just let these structures take the reins for you 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 kind of default to a sense of comfort and i think if you're unable to identify that that's what you've been doing for the past 22 years when you're finally autonomous and have the opportunity to kind of take ownership over your life the fear is that you end up defaulting back to kind of having that parent figure guiding you through the next you know five years and then the next five years and and i think just doing something to kind of rip the band-aid off cut the cord and put yourself out there and embrace discomfort is really beneficial especially at least it was for me especially at that time in my life yeah no that, that makes a lot of sense and, and you talked about the great value you get from your schools as well so and what was valuable about your school experience yeah so it, it's funny because when i was 
at school, I think like a lot of, you know, sort of uh, rambunctious teens and then going on into my 20s, I, I didn't really appreciate my education. And it felt like, you know, I, I worked hard and, and I got good. I worked hard mostly to get good grades um, and I paid attention in school. But I, I always kind of felt like people were just telling me what to do. And I, I didn't totally understand why I, I had to take the classes that I took. And then about a year and a half ago, I watched um, there's a writer named David Foster Wallace who uh, wrote a book called Infinite Jest, which is relatively famous at the moment, um, and they just made a movie about him. But he gave a speech uh, at Kenyon College, speaking essentially identifying the value of education, specifically a liberal arts education. And the main idea of it, it's pretty complex, and you have to watch it a couple times before you understand it. But the main idea is that the, an education system is is not so much about what they're teaching you, um, you know, with the, without. Uh, unless you're an engineer that needs to learn uh, a specific skill, but it's really about teaching you how to think and teaching you how to take sort of the chaos that is the world and break it down into components and then identify, you know, if you have a problem to solve and it's very relevant in the entrepreneurial realm, what we do is essentially make order out of chaos and we have an idea and we kind of know where we want to get to. So we know where point B is and we know that we're at point A and then there's this whole water of chaos and possibility and kind of abstractness that we have to then confine and break down into like real identifiable problems that we can then figure out how to solve. And I think that way of approaching the world and learning how to problem solve something that's very complex comes from years and years and years of a, an education that, that compels you to kind of think outside the box and approach different problems from every angle possible. So now looking back on it, it, you know, my valuable, my education was completely invaluable, but at the time I didn't totally understand that. I think the great thing about this, this podcast and talking to so many great people um, on it is the fact that we're able to kind of impart this kind of knowledge at this stage for people listening. You know, it's that kind of, oh, I'd never thought of it like that. You know, I go to school because I need to learn math or I need to learn science or I need to learn English. But to even have a conversation about, oh, I'm here to learn about problem solving and relationships and working together and that kind of thing. It's a bit of a, it's a, bit of a mind shift for people. But I think to even have those conversations going on at this level, that's really why I created this really so that people can start thinking about actually having ownership and actually getting out of their education exactly what they can while they're there doing it like you say rather than so many of us who we sort of see the value looking back into it but don't necessarily get the full value at the time yeah no i i completely agree i'm actually absolutely obsessed with podcasts at the moment and when i was living abroad the podcasts were kind of like my guiding tools to figure out how to live i think what you all are doing in this podcast space is you know if people are paying attention they're they take the time and get as much information and value as is being put out there in the podcast world you can essentially like formulate a blueprint of how to live because you see so many people who are on the other side of different experiences who are brave enough to to let random viewers in and, and show them the mistakes that they made and show them where they flourish and you can kind of model your life you, you you have a bunch of different examples of what works and what doesn't and depending on what kind of person you want to be moving forward you you have a really clear blueprint on how to execute in that way or at least i, I kind of feel like i do yeah, I think that's exactly right. And I think, you know, like you say, the, the great thing about the podcasting world is you've got people passionate about what they do. That's usually first and foremost. And also it's very intentional and it's very direct and personal to them. So you can literally just find what you're into, find the personality that speaks to you. And then, like you say, you always have that mentor working with you all the time, always in your ears at a time whenever you want to have them. Yeah, no, it's amazing. I mean, I think people bag a lot on the digital age and especially with social media in terms of you know the, the negative effects that it's having on the generations growing up in it but i, I don't think uh, it's talked about enough the all the positives that we get from just 
unifying people in this way or linking together communities and allowing just just the dissemination of information is is you know a hundred times what it was even a couple of years ago and and the average person's ability to learn and and improve their life and and increase a skill set that they've always wanted to is is so much more accessible right now than it ever has been so i think that that's a pretty beautiful um moment or, or thing to capitalize on right now in the digital age yeah i couldn't agree more couldn't agree more which teachers do you remember and why yeah that, that's a good question i was i uh, was actually thinking about that the other day so uh, as i mentioned at the beginning of the podcast uh, i wasn't necessarily the best student and especially in high school i kind of felt like i just had so much energy and i was being forced to sit in a chair for days on end so i i wasn't the best behaved uh especially when i was growing up so and that kind of rubbed teachers a little bit the wrong way but <laughs> one te- one teacher uh that i do remember um was a poetry teacher that i had and it was i, I felt like i was in um in kind of in, in a movie where a teacher like finds one of the troubled kids and uh, sees something in him and kind of brings him out where, you know, it, it wasn't as uh, intense as it, it would be in some situations, but I was more of a, you know, unfocused kind of troublemaking kid, but he noticed that I, I had some type of eye or ear or brain for poetry. And, you know, in, in a class filled with uh, some of the top academic kids um, in in New York, he he kind of picked me out and realized that I had this this some type of connection with poetry and literature that I had no understanding of. And he, he would sit down with me after class for, you know, an hour once a week and just kind of take me through different aspects of, of what poetry is and, and kind of explain to me how my own mind worked. And it, it really taught me a lot about um, one, you know, just the potential that I had to, to be intelligent and succeed in an academic environment. But it also I found really interesting how how blind I was to things that were going on in my own mind or to my own capacity to understand things. And it took a teacher who had only sat with me for a couple of weeks to really pick up on that and kind of bring it out in me. So it, it was one of those sort of transformative student-to-teacher relationships that you'll see in movies or in books. And I, I think it's so true that when 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 a teacher talks to you, they understand you. And, and what I liked about your particular story is the fact that you didn't even know, it, it sounded like you didn't even know who you were in that scenario, but, yeah. they, but they saw it and were able to then support you in sort of discovering it. And I think that's a really wonderful thing. Yeah, no, it, it, I think it's kind of the dream of all teachers. So I'm sure he got a lot of satisfaction as well. Yeah, it's probably one of those um, dinner party stories he can say about, yes, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, had exactly. This, I had this guy in my class and this is what we managed yeah. to do, which is brilliant. <laughs> Um, who did you admire when you were young? Yeah, that's, I mean, I think there's a lot of different people. Um, I was very uh, obsessed with sports growing up, so there were a lot of sports figures in my life but that, that I admired, but uh, those are more just for, you know, their, their ability to excel at such a high level. I think outside of, you know, my dad and my mom and my immediate fa- family and some of my friends, uh, the, once I, I really started to think about like who I wanted to model my life after and what type of person I wanted to be, uh, Richard Branson was kind of the guy that just kept coming back to me. Um, I read every, he, he's written, I think, five biographies at this point. I've written every one. And, and what I, I love about him so much is that there's a lot of things. And I think sort of anyone who talks about Richard Branson, it's always kind of wide-eyed admiration. But, um, you know, it, you read books about his early days and you you read about the icon that he is right now and his disposition seems to have never changed you know it seems like he was when he was growing up in his teens and he was just trying to get uh his publication off the ground he was this kind of hard-working sort of off-centered hustler who was 
kind to everybody he met and and valued personal relationships more than anything that money could bring him or career success and you know now as a multi-billionaire running empires it seems like he came and spoke at um at colgate my alma mater and he just seems like such a such a sweet down-to-earth genuinely good person who, who's really his his only concern beyond you know personal like self-actualization and and obviously success and and the rewards that come with that but it seems like he's just genuinely dedicated to being a positive inspiration to people and, and helping society when you know at a time in his life where he could just take the to cool out on his yacht for the next you know 20 years and kind of ride it out he's really dedicated to global change and and beyond just being such a good person he's such a cool guy and it's like what you know how, how could you craft up a better idol or mentor that's really um it's really inspiring as well i mean i've read his books and, and you're absolutely right i mean it is they're, they're a wonderful read and so full of so much amazing content um i actually live quite close to one of the schools that he went to and um and you'll know from reading the book you know his struggle with dyslexia and well, yeah, actually exactly. being in the school system and all that sort of stuff and every time i drive by the grounds of the school i just have a little wry smile on myself just that kind of whatever bit of education you're in no matter how you're doing whether you're struggling or or thriving whatever it happens to be there's that story of him just you know making the world a better place and also making the world that he wanted it to be even with the struggles that he had just by a mindset by a way of being with people like you said and and I, I just love the fact that I get to sort of drive by there quite often and I just have that kind of oh yeah it's a great reminder and a great kind of feeling of anything is possible because this guy's done it yeah no no it's awesome and I mean just just you know accomplishing what he has but 100% on his own terms it's uh it, it's just yeah it's so inspiring to see the other thing I always think with him as well is every time I turn up for a meeting and I'm not in a suit and tie, I just think, yeah, he managed to do it in a jumper. So yeah, he can do it. yeah exactly. <laughs> I feel the same way because I, I cannot dress up for these kinds of things. So, yeah, yeah I always just say, if Richard did it, then I can do it. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, so what was the best piece of advice you've ever been given and who gave it to you? Yeah, that's a that's an interesting question. I was thinking about that a little earlier. So I'd say there's there's two pieces of advice. Um, one is a little smaller, and it's something that my dad said to me about a year ago. But for some reason, it just stuck, um, and I think about it every day. And it's uh, it, I was just deciding whether I, I I had some work to do, and it was about nine thirty at night, and I was talking with him on the phone, and I also had tickets to go to a to a comedy show, and I was saying I think I'm just gonna you know not go to the comedy show and do some work. And he was like, Nick, just trust me, it's always better to do stuff than to not do stuff. Um, I don't think he meant it in any super profound way, but I've kind of carried that with me for the past year and a half. And, and you know, I noticed in myself that there's always that um, there's always that draw to comfort. And, you know, there's always the idea when an opportunity presents itself, you also have the flash to kind of just sitting at home, you know, taking a shower, watching some TV and hanging out. But that that's no way to live. You know, you need to open yourself up. If opportunity presents itself, you need to capitalize and you can't let the comfort is the enemy. So you can't let, uh, you know, the idea, the, a vision of, you know, sitting home feeling comfortable be the, the thing that guides your actions. You need to seek discomfort and it's always better to do stuff than to not do stuff. So that, that ended up being really profound for me. And, um, the, the other piece of advice that I always, I think about pretty much every day, especially when building this company. Um, and it's something I, I heard on uh, like a motivational speech compilation or some type of podcast. And the guy was basically saying, you don't want it to be easy because if it was easy, it wouldn't feel so good once it works out. And once you accomplish your goal, um, you know, you want it to be as hard as possible. So when you get to that finish line and, and you finish the task, you get to the goal, you get that feeling of satisfaction. And 
you know, uh, going, I'm sure some of your listeners are on an entrepreneurial path, but it's, uh, it's not always glamorous and it is, you know, there's a day in day out kind of grind that's associated with it. And, and on top of that, um, it's really stressful because you just never know, you, you know, success is not guaranteed and it, 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 your product working isn't guaranteed. Um, and there's times where you can kind of get, get in your own, own head and get down to yourself and lose sight. But my business partner and I always try to remind ourselves, you know, when we're feeling a little down, like, this is the time that's going to make the success worth it. You know, if you fast forward to whenever we we think that we've done it, you know, the company is where we want it to be. We're going to look back at the times where it was really tough and absolutely relish that. You know, we don't want it to be a cakewalk. So I think embracing discomfort and embracing hard times uh, with the recognition that the reward on the other side is going to be that much better is, is a really great way to live. And I kind of like the halfway house between both of those bits of advice because it's that kind of you're absolutely right. You know, nothing's guaranteed, and, and there is the hard work, and and like I say, it, it doesn't just happen. You know, that there's so much mm. that you invest in it. Um, but that whole thing about also sort of getting out there as well, because there, there's also sometimes people thinking, you know, but when the when the when I, when I am successful, when the company's making right, multi exactly. million dollars, then then I'll go to the comedy store and then I'll have the chance to do yeah. this and then I'll have a chance to do that. And it is sort of combining that, like I say, really serious work ethic to do what you need to do but also you know you need to enjoy today as well and, and I think understanding the combination of those two and I think it's really interesting that both of those things came up at the same time for you that I think I think that's really it's a really kind of sort of cutting edge sometimes for people to understand you know live life full now but at the same time knowing that within that there's a certain amount of of um of effort needed and, and like you say even some sacrifice sometimes but it's all slightly calculated once you actually understand both sides of the coin there yeah, no, totally. And I think just to go back to what we were talking about, about the podcast culture, I think that that lesson has been reinforced over and over again by some of the guys that I really admire whose, whose podcasts I listen to all the time is that, you know, the, in terms of living properly and, and living a good life and trying to sort of self-actualize and being fulfilled, there's there's ingredients to it. And, and a lot of it is around, you know, hard work, discipline um, and, and struggle. But the other side of it is you know being present and, and being around people that you love and being in the moment and enjoying life and you know eating good food and drinking good wine so yeah it's it's really just about like finding that balance the yin and yang of it yeah i couldn't agree more and um, what advice would you give your younger self now yeah um i i think that, that people are asked that question a lot and and i'm sure my answer will change when i think about it more but i think what i would try to get my younger self to understand i mean the, the first thing i think i would tell him is just like you know, chill out, it's all going to be fine. But I think that's probably what every uh, person would say they younger yourself. But I think one thing that I would want to get myself to understand earlier that I think I got a grasp on more when I was living abroad than I did any time throughout my schooling is that, uh, you know, people say trust your gut all the time. And I think it's become a cliche. And because it's said in such kind of terse terms, people don't actually think about what that means and writes it off. But I have come to think um, and, and this is also validated by, you know, some, some books I've read and, and some people I've listened speak. But I, I think that there is a part of yourself um, that is capable of making decisions for you that actually has more information than sort of your conscious mind does in the decision that you're trying to make that information. And, you know, it's it, you shouldn't trust your gut when you're trying to do something that's very tactful that has to relate to your business. But um, when you're thinking about, you know, if you're thinking about something in a relationship with a breakup or if you want to make a life change or if you just have, if, if you know, if there's this feeling inside of you that you need to book a flight to Japan next week, and, and it might sound kind of crazy, but I, I think that there is a, a part of you deeper down that has more information and is calculating more variables that 
is trying to push you to take certain actions that they think will lead to success. And if you can tap into that voice as much as you can and actually be brave enough to trust it and kind of follow through on on what your gut is telling you to do, then then I, I at least believe and would bank my life on that that's how you lead to a more successful life. And that that's kind of how I want to live going forward. And I would love to tell my past self to do that is to to identify that voice, feel it, and don't be scared of it, kind of lean into it. Yeah, I think the idea of identifying with it, I think, is a really key one to sort of know that it's really there to support you. And uh, I had a conversation very recently. There's a, there's a guy who's in my percussion ensemble at one of the places that I, I teach the drums. Um, and he's um, he's a great guy, great player. He's just been offered um, scholarships to um, to some music colleges, one in London and one in a different city. And we were having a conversation. He said, oh, but if I go here, then I've got this opportunity and these people I'm going to meet. If I go there, I've got these different opportunities and different things. And we sort of chatted around it and I said, look, you can make a list as long as your arm. Um, both of them will have pluses, plus both of them have got disadvantages. I said, but at the end of the day, you have to go with that gut feeling. You know, where is it that you can see yourself? Where do you think you're going to be the most at home? You know, where do you think you can be yourself? You know, and from there, you can't make a wrong decision because you're making it out of something which is innately you. And also nothing's forever. You know, you can always change things if need be. But I think when you feel like you've got the answer inside of you, you can just allow it to kind of to rumble up and then come to you. You've, you've got a fighting chance of actually feeling okay with it when it's just a question of, like you said, should I do this, should I do that? It's very difficult to make yeah. that decision just in your head. Yeah, totally. And uh, yeah, I think, you know, you can think about these things in sort of more kind of airy abstract terms in terms of like trusting your gut and your spirit. But I also think there's a lot of practical use in just realizing that you are able to calculate and evaluate different options without consciously thinking about it at all times. And And I try to use that kind of in my daily practice when I'm, working on my business, you know, like different issues come up all the time and there's different problems that we need to solve. And the way that I've, you know, over the past two and a half years of doing this, the way that I've found is most effective to kind of tackle complex problems or even think through strategy is to understand what I need to be thinking about and then kind of put it into the back of my mind or like send it back to my subconscious and allow it to kind of ruminate for a couple of days. And, and it, it's crazy how like, the answer will just kind of pop into your mind at a random time when you're, you know, on a jog or in the office doing something else. And it seems like it's, you know, you need your kind of deeper consciousness to, to be able to calculate everything. And it just shoots the answer right up to you. Yeah, I think that's absolutely true. It's like you suddenly, you're not sure what's going on and you get a phone call out of the blue, like you say, or, or the right book comes to you or someone yeah. suggests something. And like you say, it happens more and more the more you become aware of these things, doesn't it? And I guess that you yeah. get more supportive the more you're able to let that in. Yeah, very much so. Yeah so in terms of a resource that's really had a big impact on your life um what's really really sort of got you in, in a place which you think has made the biggest impact and i guess it could be a podcast a book a, a yeah. video film song i mean it can be anything but something which you can really sort of sort of pinpoint as something which has really really done something for you yeah cool so i could actually talk about this for hours i'll try to keep the uh answer as concise as possible i'd say there's uh, in terms of specifics, you know, what, what really helps me today, um, the Joe Rogan podcast, I'm not sure if you're aware of that, but the guests that he has on, I think are just super inspirational. Um, and I, you know, I really value the opinions that they give. Um, there is a, a podcast entrepreneur and author named Tim Ferriss, who um, his approach is essentially to speak with world-class performers and kind of distill the habits and tactics that they use to be successful. And I, you know, when I was abroad, I kind of treated his books like the gospel and I would read them over with a fine tooth comb and try to adopt whatever into my life I could find from these people. But the other sort of more general approach, I think, is um, reading biographies of people who you think have lived a life that you 
uh, w- would like to live with or people that you admire. When, when I was living in Thailand, um, I, I read through maybe 25 different biographies of people who I thought to be really successful. And, and again, it's what we were talking about earlier. You know, you read these people's lives and you have access to kind of undistilled, unfiltered, um, an, an image of these people who you kind of see as like these great God figures and you see their vulnerabilities and you see where they took missteps and messed up and you see how they bounce back. And, and if you pay enough attention and, and take in enough information, you, you really can kind of craft a blueprint to, to becoming the person that you want to be. But the first part to that is that you need to sit down with yourself and be honest and try to figure out who, who do I want to be and who do I want to model myself off of but once you figure that out the the actual execution is a lot easier yeah that's absolutely true and and for if you want to find the details of all these things we've been talking about then if you go to educationonfire.com and in the search bar just put nick Floyd in there and it will um it will come up with the show notes and all the details of this episode so you don't need to make a note as you go through we, all those things will be listed on the show notes for you to go in and investigate in in your own time so for those people listening who are one interested in the website you're talking about, but also want to know maybe a little bit more about you, where's a good place for them to go in and find more information? Yeah, cool. So I, I you know, if you want to find me, I'm on social. But I think what's more important, and what I'd love uh, for anyone who's interested to check out, is uh, my company and my website. It's uh, you can find us at www.campusreal.org. Um, if you know anyone who is going through the college search process or anyone who's currently out of college, um, this this platform is hopefully going to change the game for anyone who's interested in applying and enrolling in colleges throughout the U.S. and then ultimately throughout the world. So uh, we're super proud of the platform that's out there. Um, you know, if you have any thoughts, you, you can reach me directly. But yeah, we would love for you guys all to check it out. I think it's fantastic and, and, and congratulations and I'm really excited for, for where you are now but also you know how many people you can impact over the time. So thank you, Nick, for sharing your wisdom and allowing us to learn from your great experiences. Yeah, thanks so much, Mark. It was a pleasure. Thanks for listening to the Learning on Fire podcast. For more information, please visit educationonfire.com and follow the links from the homepage. This show is sponsored by the National Association for Primary Education. Education is not the filling of a pail, but the lighting of a fire.